This episode of the Educated Ignorance Podcast is brought to you by the For Frequency Sake Podcast Network. Subscribe to the For Frequency Sake Podcast Network on your favorite podcast platform for the newest episodes of the Data Lab with Professor John Bush and Dennis Mickelson, as well as new episodes every week of Card Subject to Change, our new wrestling podcast with CZ and Nick. And three times a week, releasing episodes on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Fridays, the Educated Ignorance Podcast. On Mondays, you will get full breakdowns of the Sunday night football game, as well as a couple quick-hitting topics from some of the NFL action on Sunday. Tuesday will be a quick-hitting reaction of the Monday night football game, as well as a full slate review of the Sunday games, the biggest and broadest topics from the weekend of football, as well as some college football stuff. And, of course, that Tuesday will be the Elite Eight episode each week for the NFL season, where we reveal the top eight teams, according to myself in the NFL. And then on Friday, we will be releasing each week a big kind of preview for the weekend's games coming up, as well as the Sinister Six podcast every week with Mac. Fulton, he will be joining us every week for the Sinister Six uh, joint venture of NFL games and college games throughout the year. Our best big, our best six picks of the weeks. We will also have some betting stuff in there as well against the spread, over unders, things like that. So stay tuned for those three episodes a week of the Educated Ignorance Podcast here on the Four Frequency Sake Podcast Network. Coming up on this episode, we have week number five in the books. We have the Monday night game, a fun one between Kansas City and Las Vegas. And then, of course, the Elite Eight. Sorry for not having an episode um, Monday. Was out late Sunday night. This weekend was pretty crazy. Had some stuff going on and really stressful and anxiety-filled weekend. That ended on a really good note. Saturday night was really good. Sunday night was really good. But, you know, it was just kind of a relaxing weekend after uh, some stuff. So, uh, didn't get home Sunday till late. And so I just wasn't up for recording. So, nice little, (laughs) nice little for frequency sake PTO. Your boy put in for yesterday. Um, Today, uh, we're going to do the Monday night game, and then we're going to do the Elite Eight. Uh, Was able to watch some stuff this weekend, football-wise. Like, no, or for Saturday, I should say. But not enough to get a legitimate segment here for the breakdown. Saturday was just crazy. Yesterday, though, Sunday, I watched football from the word go so we are good to go on that we are going to have an in-depth good look at the elite eight but this just so you know this is going to be a little bit of a shorter episode than on a month normally on a tuesday uh this uh, i think this is our this in the sinister six i think is usually our biggest ones of the week um you know this one of those two but i think because uh, the elite eight we get the most traction we post the elite eight on tuesday mornings so i feel like that's got the big traction but regardless I want to thank you all for listening. So we're a little bit under the weather. <coughs> we are we are exhausted. 
We got some water and tissues near us, but we are ready to roll. Real quick, be on the lookout for Wednesday. The goal is to have at least, if we don't release it Wednesday, there's a chance. Yeah, I believe there's a good chance we'll release it Wednesday. Um, but but me and Danny are going to be recording our NBA over under pod uh, over unders podcast tomorrow. And there's a chance that we could uh, drop it Wednesday, but I'm excited. It'll probably be multiple parts. We'll do the East and the Western Conference. Over-under on win totals, title odds, conference odds. We'll probably do some MVP stuff. We'll do Rookie of the Year stuff, some Coach of the Year. It is going to be your one-stop shop for NBA future gambling uh, and season breakdown tidbits. You are not whenever we drop it. I'm pretty sure it'll be Wednesday. We'll probably, if anything, do Wednesday and Thursday as two parts before we do the Sinister Six Friday. But you are not going to want to miss it. Other than that, sit back, relax. Thank you for joining us. Buckle up and let's get after it. stop this smart guy versus you know football genius analytical brain galaxy brain type of thinking we got going on in this league man because we are starting to get to a bad place and tonight was another exception to that now listen there's a lot of different ways and a lot of different variants on how tonight's game was affected by this but I think this is there's a lot to discuss from this. We're talking about this Monday night game. Um, the Chiefs and the Raiders, I, I believe you look at the, 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 the decision to go for two at the end of the game. It's very, very questionable. I don't I wouldn't have done it. I don't know where on your card, you know, tells you to go for it. It's one of those weird situations because the Chiefs, if you get, if you make it, you give the Chiefs four downs essentially the rest of the way to get points, and I think they were kind of lollygagging around on that drive anyway. Uh, you know they're throwing these little quick screens to pick up enough yards to not get a first down, so they can waste another play before picking up a first down, and then on that second down, that second set of downs. They give it to Edwards Alaire, and instead of just getting upfield, he tries to bust it out wide because he's not talented. And all of a sudden, he's down, and it's third and three, and Mahomes makes the wrong read, and all of a sudden, the Raiders got a shot. But listen, man, I feel like people like we're constantly trying. We're seeing these coaches trying to jam a square peg into a round hole, and the square peg not only won't fit because of the you know the sizes and the shapes and the diameters don't match up. But the square, the the round hole is also ten times smaller than the square square peg. But they're just thinking if you do it enough times, maybe finally it'll get through. And that one time that it gets through will be worth it. We're just seeing so many dumb decisions and so many weird, fancy things where coaches in this league are. It's almost like they are doing it to pretty much say, "Ha ha! Look at me! Look how smart I am!" Uh, we we just did something cool because I'm a fucking genius, not because our players are did anything. But look at this decision that I made. That I made. Like, let's take for instance Brandon Staley. Now I'm about to go on such 
a fucking far left tangent right now. But I'm, we're going to try to keep the – we're going to just get on the roller coaster with me and let's go on a journey. Brandon Staley yesterday in the locker room after they win, after making the dumbest fourth and two decision ever – in a game where you're up to and the team you're playing is quarterback by Jacoby Brissett, who granted hasn't played terrible, et cetera, et cetera. But you kick the ball deep. They have no timeouts under two minutes. The, the odds of them coming in and it's just slim to none. It was under like a minute and a half, but somehow Brandon Staley is a horseshoe shoved up his ass. So the Browns are unable to move the ball, and then Cade York misses the field goal. He goes for it on fourth and two and misses. And then in the press or in the locker room has the audacity to do some stuff like beating his chest, saying, this is how we win. I'll do whatever it takes to win. Like, dude, you just got lucky as shit where your own player, Keenan Allen, one of your better players, is tweeting while he's at home injured saying, what the fuck are we doing? That's just dumb shit, man. Here's another example from yesterday. Brain status 5,000. The, the, the Cincinnati Bengals driving in a close game, going for, uh, they run a Philly special, uh, and then on a fourth and goal, they run a shovel pass and get stuffed. Just, what are these coaches doing, man? Just what are they doing? It's the same thing like these coaches that are afraid to run the ball in kill clock, kill the clock drives because they want to throw these fancy pass plays out here. It's like they get to these situations and all they can, like their egos are too fucking big. They're like the kid in high school who's always that that takes a bunch of shirtless. They're not even full shirtless selfie pictures because for some reason, but they just show the abs and they like got the shirt, like the bottom of the shirt in their mouth like this. I'm doing that right now. I don't know why I'm doing that. You can't see me, but they got the bottom of their shirt in their mouth. So you can see like their one pack and they're just taking a photo of it and they're like hand is on their belt and they put some sort of, they put some sort of caption like catching these vibes, baby, or something like that. Come ride this wave with me. And they're wearing shades and their hair is long. These weird pics. I'm sure Nick Pearson did a photo like that before. Go check his Facebook. Nick, I love you. Best friend forever. I'm just saying. The These coaches get these weird ego drives where all of a sudden they're like, we we got to get to the, we get to all the way to this point and, and we got to do something that makes me like, like we did this because I made this decision and drew up this play. Yeah, all me. It's like, why? Just win the game. Brings me to tonight. Josh McDaniels, down one, goes for two. Now, let me praise Josh McDaniels. First quarter, I think. Pretty sure it was the first quarter. Yeah, it was first quarter. <coughs> Fourth and one. From your own 40, you've run the ball well early to an extent. This is where the chart would say, what you, sorry. Coaches need to start looking at like calling football games, you need to have a little cheat sheet. Like you're playing fucking blackjack and you're at the table. Have a call card. Have a call card. The problem is these coaches just get into situations and then they backtrap. Always be who you are. Always have faith in it and whatnot. So I guess if the two-pointer is what he was, I don't know. Just make, But like you got to make sense. These coaches have no feel for the game. The fourth down call, 
I, I'm just saying this because people were, were like, oh, they go for two, blah, 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 but all these aggression, they, they get this touchdown on fourth down in the first quarter from their own territory, and no one said a thing. Yeah, well, it felt like that was the right time to go for it, and it was a ballsy play to call the play-action deep shot. You get Adams man-to-man with a court with you know a secondary that's not that good, and you burn him. So... I don't mind that. I didn't mind it at all. I loved it. I wanted them to go for it. When he got there, I'm like, go for it. Like, you're not going to win this game punting. But in that in that situation, you're down one. Kick the extra point. Now, again, there's arguments to be made that you could the, – the Chiefs would have acted different on that last drive. They, they kind of were bull jiving a little bit, but I don't know. Like, when they got to midfield, I thought I was like, they're not getting the ball back. But – who knows? That's just some weird stuff that happens in this league. And that is what is going to be talked about. Also, what's going to be talked about is the penalties in this game. We are now another week in, and we've got this is it's been this is the worst it's been this year. And I don't know if the two of things sparked it, but we've had a couple instances where a lot of people in the league outside of the game outside of the of the the play, gameplay are trying to make decisions and make calls and you start with that thing in and my in a metal in the Meadowlands yesterday where the Jets where Teddy Bridgewater gets knocked out of the game uh and it didn't even look like he was hurt uh it seemed like the NFL went out of their way to stick it to the Dolphins First off, I've never seen an intentional grounding called on a guy who got hit as he threw when he got sacked. Uh, even if it was in the end zone, I don't care. That was a fucking terrible call. And then Teddy Bridgewater is fine, but they hold him out of the game. And then the, the basically cost the Dolphins a, a chance to compete. Probably win. But what the fuck ever. No one will talk about it because they hate the Dolphins, so it doesn't matter. Um, and then the Bucks are trying to do all in their might to Bullshit the game away against Atlanta. And then Grady Jarrett gets a sack on a third down and the referee, Jerome Booger. Jerome Booger is the worst fucking official in the league. And he has been, his crew has been the worst in the league for the last half decade. How the fuck does this dude's, like, is this, how are these guys still employed, man? They're so bad. Every week, at least one game with that guy's crew is just horrific. Fuck, man. It's so terrible. It's so terrible. And the fucking roughing the passer call on Brady, just bad. And another one happened tonight with the uh, Chris Jones roughing the passer strip sack on Derek Carr. They threw the flag, and the rest was history. Chiefs ended up winning regardless, but here's a play that I guess, yeah, people will probably talk about it. It was 24-23. This is a sequence of the game, man. 24-23, Chiefs drive. They stall a couple random spots where they were just not good on third down tonight. Other than that, they were pretty money. Could be, they didn't felt like they didn't get stopped for about an hour and a half till that fourth quarter where it got a little weird. 
But they kick and miss it because Harrison Bucker's hurt. And they're on this Matt Wright dude who somehow they who missed two field goals. Well, I guess technically one because this one gets, we'll talk about why. Makes a 59-yarder to end the half, which was wild. Uh, but misses the field goal from 37. Doors open. Doors wide open. Here we go. Raiders got a shot. Nope. Holding on the field goal kicking team. Why? On what planet? That That's just make-up call city. I don't understand why that's a rule. I don't understand. I understand to a degree the the defensive holding on the line of scrimmage for like a play. Like if a guy's trying to climb to the second level, you're holding him so he doesn't. I get that to a degree. But that right there, man, such a bang-bang play. It looked like the dude was lunging into him to block him, and he just kind of leaned over, and, he held, and they like held each other up. That's just bad, man. Like the fact that that got called. And then the Chiefs, four plays later, score touch. Three plays later, score touchdown. And that's the ball game. Not the really, but they go up seven. Raiders come down, get it, miss the two pointer, and then a bunch of shit. Um, it's just that all that stuff, man, it's a mess. We're going to actually talk about the game. Uh, we'll talk Chiefs. We'll talk are the Raiders cooked? Next. For fantasy sake has teamed up with Route 96 Boutique to raise a little more cash for Toys for Tots this season. From September 11th until the end of November, 10% off of all purchases made with Route 96 on Sundays will be donated to us for our Toys for Tots drive. At Route 96, they believe in girl power. They want a place that people of all shapes and sizes can shop and feel empowered and beautiful. They want you to be the best you possible, and they are committed to bringing you different styles while also providing some basics to express the true you. You can find them on Facebook and at Route96Boutique.com. Again, that's Route96Boutique.com. In addition to bringing fire on the mic, the team at 4 Frequency Sake is still bringing it online as well. Check out 4FantasySakeQC.com this season for college DFS, Survivor League, and betting advice each and every week of this football season. Again, that is 4FantasySakeQC.com for college DFS, Survivor League, and betting advice each week during the football season. All right, let's first start with the Thanos of the National Football League. They are inevitable. They are the Kansas City Chiefs. I got a stat for you people. I like numbers. My roommate likes numbers. We're numbers guys. Patrick Mahomes has a better winning percentage coming back from down double digits than Justin Herbert has in his career. Is that not a fucking stat or what, brother? I cannot believe the fact that these guys every week at this point, I'm not even mad anymore. Like I just, I enjoy watching them because I enjoy watching Mahomes have to problem solve with, let me be real. I think they're great because of who they got like on their high end levels. 
this Chiefs team has a lot of holes, man. They do. They're deep. They don't have great corners. They can't really stop the run that well. They don't have explosion against the man-to-man defensive offensively, like against man coverage, and they don't. They can't really take the top if you play a shell, you know, too high look. But what they got is the best quarterback in the league, the best tight end of all time, the best one of the best coaches ever, easily the best coach in the league right now. Great schematics and a great O line. Though their tackles got whooped tonight. Uh, and then they were finally able to adjust and get the ball out quicker, etc. But for the Chiefs, it's like every week they spot the oppo- the opposition, it feels like, two scores, and they're just like, fuck it, all right, let's start playing now. And then they just play this perfect ball every single, every, <laughs> look at the Chargers game, look at tonight. It's just ridiculous how that works. They 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 spot the other team 10 or 14, and then from there, they don't miss a beat. And it's perfect. They move the ball well. Tonight, they were able to run the ball well, exploiting the slow second and third levels of the Raiders' defense. Now, the Raiders' defense is really bad, but there are guys I like on there. Chandler Jones, blue-chip blue chip guy that they went out and got, and talk about a blue-chipper. Max Crosby, man, he is an absolute force. But the And the Chiefs' tackles got their ass beat tonight. That's a thing I'm going to be worried about going into next week against Buffalo is Von Miller, Matt Milano, Epinesa, all those guys, Greg Rousseau, all those dudes up front uh, are going to be pinning their ears back to get after the quarterback at that DN position. And edge rusher spot, and they watched some tape tonight. None of those guys outside of Vaughn, I think, are the type of horse that Crosby or Jones are, especially Crosby right now. I mean, what? how many edge rushers would you honestly take over Max Crosby? The Bosa's, Micah Parsons, though Micah Parsons is more than just an edge rusher. Uh, Miles Garrett, TJ Watt. Anyone else? Like, that's it. That's five. And I'd just say four because Micah Parsons is much more than just much more than an edge rusher. So both the Boses, Garrett, and Watt are like the only edge rushers I'd really take over Max Crosby right now. Because again, Micah Parsons is much more than a pass rusher. Or just an edge rusher. You know? Dummies are gonna be in here like, oh, what about Aaron Donald? You know, it's like Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald's an interior D lineman. So is Chris Jones. Chris Jones is a baller, by the way. He's playing great tonight. That guy, that guy is so good. One of them talk about underappreciated guys in the league. Chris Jones, man. Um, <laughs> but with this Chiefs team, the fact that they have multiple ways to win is something I really like, and they were able to find a way to navigate. They, 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 they negated the pass rush effects that were in the first half. Uh, they always have an answer for for the quest, for a question. They always know how to counter. And again, they showed enough resiliency, and they were able to find a way to win. Um, that game next Sunday is going to be going to be great. Real quick, let's touch on the Raiders before we wrap this up. 
is their season over at one and four? Let's pull their schedule up. I'm going to initially say no. Come on, pull the app up. There we go. Come on, you piece of shit. There we go. So let's look. Uh feel like shit. Just want you guys to know that. I feel like I could just use a day to sleep. <laughs> For those that are wondering about my life right now. But I hope everyone that's listening to this is good. Okay. So the Raiders schedule, they are now one and four. How the fuck did they lose to Tennessee? Um, they got bat blasted by Tennessee. That Cardinals game, man. Raiders could win their next six. Whew. They got a chance to line them up, man. They get the Texans at home. They go two New Orleans, two Jacksonville, Colts at home. Those four, three and one. They're either going to lose in Jacksonville or in New Orleans. They'll lose one of those games. Broncos, Seahawks, Chargers, Rams. Next four, two and two. Say you're, you're three and one, and then two and two. Three, three and one, two. Five and three. You're six and seven at that point. And then Pats, Steelers, Niners, Chiefs. Let's say you go two and two again. Eight and nine. So it's tough. You got to go. You got to win some games that you probably couldn't. But, I know, I guess I just really kind of said they'd only go two games above 500 there to end the year. There's a, they're not out of the woods yet. Like, they're not, there are teams that I'm willing to throw Red X over in the in the league. The The Steelers, they're not making the playoffs. The Texans, they're not making the playoffs. The Commanders, they're not making the playoffs. The the Panthers, they are not making the playoffs. The Lions and the team that plays in the state of Illinois, they're not making the playoffs. Outside of that, I think everyone else is pretty alive. So the Raiders, barely. The Patriots, barely. So many teams are two and three, three and two. It's hard. Like even the Seahawks, they're two and three. I'd probably red X them because I think they're going to start regressing. Like the fact they they couldn't really afford to lose that Saints game. But no, I think I think the Raiders are absolutely alive. I don't think their season is cooked. They just they've lost games they shouldn't. Man, that Cardinals game. Absolutely is going to be because even you win that you're two and four. It's not terrible. They were the better team for the majority of tonight. I thought it was they were better in the first quarter. They were better in the last half of the fourth quarter. Other than that, I thought the teams were even. The Chiefs started moving the ball, but the Raiders were still kind of hanging in there. They absorbed the storm well to where. The Chiefs didn't start to... I thought the Chiefs were about to kind of avalanche them. But they didn't. It's just... Weird plays, weird... weird A weird bounce... Or a weird coaching call here. A terrible bank call on a penalty there. You 
stop, you know, your defense is really bad here. All those things add up. But Raiders aren't out of the woods yet, but they are hanging by a thread. We'll take a break. Elite Eight is next. Make sure you tune into For Frequency Sake on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch each Sunday during the football season from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. The boys from For Fantasy Sake will be bringing the fire fantasy football takes, updating you on the week's rankings and injuries, and getting you ready for your fantasy football matchups each and every week. The show is interactive, so be sure to send your questions. You can find them at For Frequency Sake on Facebook, at FFSQC on Twitter, or you can send them an email at ForFantasySakeQC at gmail.com. All right, enough bullshit. Let's get real, son. It is time for the NFL Elite Eight through week five. All right, number eight. Okay, real quick. Teams that aren't on here. Let me... This is not a – let me let me set some prerequisites. This is not a standings. This is not a who I think is going to win the Super Bowl because then the list would never change on a week-to-week basis. This is who I think is playing the best right now. I don't care if you won or lost, you know – a game against somebody doesn't matter to me. <clears throat> now, also for these, I had a take where I said, eh, I don't know if I'll believe you're that good. And then you do something that, you know, otherwise would surprise me. I think you're worthy of possibly being here. Also, there's a lot of teams in this league that are making a case to not be in this. Than are. This is a quarter. Of, the elite eight is a quarter of the NFL. It is a. It is one fourth of the league. Over three quarters of this league, I didn't want to put in here. It was hard for me to get to eight. There's only about five. The top five, I really felt confident about doing. The rest, teams I wouldn't normally put in here under certain circumstances, but. There's a, there's certain things I like, so we're going to go ahead and give them some shine. And let's begin. Number eight, <clears throat> the Baltimore Ravens. I think this team's still really good. And even though Sunday night was shaky, I think when you look at this group and what they're doing, able to get that win, it was nice to see them finally kind of hold on. Um, it wasn't perfect, and still a lot of things I don't like about this team, but it was a game that I felt like they had to win, and they did. Can't have another loss at home. Um, great job of sticking with it and ended up holding on in a game where it wasn't pretty. That was a brutal divisional game where things were ugly, and you found a way, and the Ravens are at 8 and I think eventually for them, hopefully things will start opening up for them more and more through the year. Other teams that could have been here, I really – Miami was on the cusp right until the last second, but I don't know. I didn't want to talk about the Dolphins um, just because a lot of stuff is pissing me off, and it's not their fault. But 
the Dolphins are probably at nine. Um, number seven, I I promised myself all along, no matter how good they started, I wasn't going to put them on here, but I have to. It's the New York Giants. Listen, man, <laughs> at the end of the day, if you actually break it down, it's weird how you will view a team when they absolutely fucking nail the head coach. Brian Dayball is so good. Brian Dayball is amazing. Just how on earth could you not get a guy like this, man? What an absolute ace of a hire. This team has a big-time feel of the 2018 team that plays in the state of Illinois when they hired Matt Nagy and went 12-4. and Um, This team has that feel. Now, that team in 2018, uh, they were much more loaded. They went out and got Khalil Mack. They, Roquan Smith as a rookie, had a great, was defensive rookie of the year, I believe. Allen Robinson had a really good season. Uh, They had a couple good running backs. Um, They were pretty solid a line back then still their defense I get their defense as a whole too other than just Roquan and Khalil all pro level guys everywhere that year I mean Keem Hicks was amazing <laughs> up front um I'm trying to think who else was on that who was on the opposite edge for Khalil who the opposite D end was I'm trying to remember but I keep but I forget off the oh it was Leonard Floyd Leonard Floyd uh they were loaded at corner with Kyle Fuller and Prince of Mukamara and Bryce Callahan. Eddie Jackson was an all-pro that year. So, like, they were just so loaded. This Giants team does not really have that. They have some guys I like. Their defensive f- f- line, they have dudes. Leonard Williams is good. Kayvon Thibodeau has been really good in the couple weeks he's been active. Um, I just like how he plays out there, and I like how – even though I don't like Wink Martindale's defense schematically as like, I feel like it just kind of, their defense over, teams that are really good and really blocked in uh, are able to pick that apart. But a guy like Thibodeau, who you, it does, what it does, the way they blitz, it can free him up to be a stand-up guy and move him all over the D-line. And I like how they can get creative in that, and he's thrived. And listen, they don't have big-time guys on offense uh, at most positions, but they make it work. Daniel Jones hasn't con- – he's – the w- one thing Daniel Jones has done this year that's been really impressive is he's learning how to protect the ball. And the one thing, too, that is helping in that is that they aren't – this isn't a team that is bad to where they're trailing in games and then he has to throw them back into them. You think of a lot of turnovers are the Giants are down, he's got to throw more, that's where the turnovers come in. These games now, granted, they did come back down from uh, two scores on Sunday, but regardless, like they were able to protect the ball, they were able to to manage the game and end up winning. They were seventeen, they were down twenty to three and came all the way back and won, uh, or seventeen three came back and won twenty seven twenty, twenty two I believe. Impressive, impressive win over the Packers. I obviously the one guy on offense for them who didn't even have the greatest game on Sunday. He had a couple big plays though. Is Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley is the best running back in the league. He's one of the best players in the league. At this point, 
at this point, the MVP is either him or Micah Parsons, if we're being truly honest. One of those two guys is the MVP of the NFL right now through five weeks. Uh, it's been amazing to watch Saquon do what he do, do what he does. And listen, listen, man, I didn't want to put him here, but they deserve it because to win that game against Green Bay, like, listen, do I believe you're a good team, like a title contender? No, but you're you're so well coached. Some of your younger guys I like. They're really close, man. They get roster upgrades next year and upgrade at quarterback. This team's going to be an absolute freight train sooner than later. Giants at seven right now. Love what they're doing. I don't know how long they can sustain this, but with the way they're being, if they can continue to protect the ball, the, their O-line keeps playing well. Saquon keeps balling. Their defense does enough. And, and you know, Daniel Jones protects the football. They're so well coached. They're going to be in, at worst, they're going to be in almost every game they play, and that in itself will go a long way. Number six, the Dallas Cowboys. Listen, man, every, I'm going to go X amount of time about the Cowboys and not talk about Cooper Rush, because Sunday he wasn't really good. Um, Was he particularly bad? I don't know. I don't think so. I think they did a lot. Sunday was the first time they really wanted to pound the rock, but they were it was good because for them because they were able to get leads and play ball control. Listen, man, this defense for the Cowboys is so so next level good right now. Trayvon Diggs is playing at a high level. Demarcus Lawrence, Armstrong, all their D linemen are playing great. Their linebackers are flowing. They can play all three levels. They are they flow to the ball well. And Micah Parsons right now is the best player in the league this season. He is a game wrecker. He can make plays. And their offense has done stuff this season to where, again, the ball control, they're keeping it out of harm's way. I need to see. So Sunday against the Rams was the first time they actually kind of dummied the playbook down for Cooper Rush uh, because they ran the ball so much more and... I don't think they trusted their their O line to block that or their running back, aka Tony Pollard. He kind of almost got Cooper Rush. Well, he did get Cooper Rush fucking killed because he didn't pick up a blitz. Uh, but the the Cooper Rush thing. I hope Jerry doesn't play Dak against the Eagles because I think Cooper Rush is due for a really bad game. And I don't want Dak's first game to come back against Philly and their O-line gets torched, and then all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, quarterback controversy, and then it sinks their season. I think this team could still be pretty good. They, The fact that they're 4-1 and one and I thought they were fucked is beyond me. I thought this team right now would be 2-4 two and two and four at best. They are 4-1, and or they'd be, I thought at best they'd be 2-3, and three, probably 1-4. and four. They're 4-1, four and one. they've won four straight. Cooper Rush hasn't lost a start, which is mind-boggling, but people that believe it's all him, are they're just nuts, obviously. This defense is great. Kellen Moore has done a great job, and let's be real. Mike McCarthy, we love to shit on him. There's a lot of stuff that he does that you know we can hate, but at the end of the day, he's a grown-ass man who leads men, and this team has rallied behind a lot of stuff, and he has kept this team, he has kept this boat above water, 
And even though I, this team is nowhere near as good roster-wise as last year's team or the team, at least offensively, last year's team for sure, uh, you think of the team in 2000 and I believe 17, that was the one seed, Dak and Zeke's rookie year. That team was loaded, and obviously that was Jason Garrett. But this Dallas Cowboys team, like last year's team, I loved this this Cowboys team. But obviously they just couldn't beat really good teams. I don't know what the ceiling of this Cowboys team is, but right now they're playing really good, and you have to acknowledge that. I just think, and hopefully here's my hope, is that when Dak comes back, they continue this play-calling nature of being unpredictable. The problem with Dak has been they get him in there and they're just like, oh, we have a better quarterback so we can make it harder on him. We have to make it easy on the on the bad quarterback and hard on the good one. And it's again, it's this coaching thing where it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Work smarter, not harder. Um, I don't understand why people do why coaches do this. They simplify things to the nth degree and be, they're so predictable sometimes when the quarterback is better. When Dak plays, it's like they run the ball all the time on first and second down, and then they throw on third down, and that's, like, stifling. Like, the stuff they do with Cooper Rush, they are aggressive on early downs. They're play action, middle-of-the-field crossers, plays like that that open up the defense and allow you to be more unpredictable. And I just hope, I just pray to God that when Dak comes back, they do this because, listen, are they loaded at the skill position like they were a year ago specifically? No, they're not. They Their level of skill, guys, is a little bit down. But I will say this. They're using their two running backs to perfection. Dak is more of an athlete who can run the ball to where you can have him in the run game with Zeke and uh, Cooper or Zeke and Pollard. So you have some quarterback run stuff in there. The play action will be great to hit the middle of the field and the deep balls. To, you can hit deep balls to Gallup, middle of the fields to Lamb and Schultz. Like, Options are there. This Cowboys team can be pretty good. And here's the crazy thing. We thought that their season was going to be shot. They're going to get Tyron Smith back in late November, man. At the early, you would hope uh, around that time, at the earliest, probably mid-December more or early December is more realistic. They're going to get him back to strengthen their own line, which hasn't been, I know they haven't played world beaters on the defensive line, but Played the Rams, and they, they held up, especially running the ball. They were running the ball down their throats on Sunday. And I there's a lot to like here. There really is. And I thought they were fucked. I thought they were absolutely done. And hats off. Hats all the way off to this Cowboys team for, for sticking with it. That Another game on Sunday that's going to be great, them in Philly. Number five, the Tampa Bay Bucks. Now, this isn't a virtue thing of, like, Bucks over Cowboys because they beat them and then Cowboys over Giants because they beat them. This is kind of how I had it. Um, I At first on my first draft, I had the Cowboys over the Bucks, But then I was like, whose defense do I actually like more? Probably Tampa's. Yeah, I don't know. This this could be switchable for me, though. The Cowboys, or the Bucks, excuse me, they absolutely tried to gaff that game away against Atlanta. They, they did dominate, though. They moved the ball a lot. They just weren't able to score. Uh, their defense is playing well. That fourth quarter got a little whirly-dervy. They got bailed out by that pad roughing the passer call. But again, the stuff about the Bucks is that you really like is that their offense is getting together and their defense, that Chiefs game, you would expect to be a one-off. So 
Other than that, a lot of stuff to like about the Bucks, and they felt a lot more in rhythm offensively on Sunday than they had in, you know, like in a normal game setting. Obviously, against the Chiefs, they were just trying to find ways to, to rally down multiple scores all night. On Sunday, everything kind of felt back in a normal game pace speed, and that was good for them going forward. Uh, this The future of this Bucks team, I think, is really high. We'll take a quick break. Top four teams after this. Today's episode is brought to you by Kavanaugh's Hilltop Bar in Rock Island. It's the place to be every Sunday this football season. Barbecue Chris will be in the house every week smoking the place up with his amazing menu or mouth-watering barbecues. Cavies will have every game on inside and outside their numerous TV screens. Plus, you can play their adult video games, and they have the loosest slots around. Check out Kavanaugh's Hilltop Bar, 1228 30th Street in Rock Island. All right, number four, the San Francisco 49ers. So this this San Francisco team, man, their defense is generationally good. And the one problem is that they have the fucking bubonic plague. They're cursed. Emmanuel Mosley is next up on the chopping block. He's done for the year with a ACL injury, but... It does come where another DB comes back in Jimmy Ward. So I guess that's a positive, but that's brutal. Um, Nick Bosa went out in the game with an injury. Hopefully he's okay. It looked like he just kind of sat in precautionary. Like, they had that game on Sunday wrapped up early. Um, Panthers were a little in it, but it never felt it never felt in doubt at all. Niners' defense is really good, and... In a wide open NFC, obviously at the end, there it feels like they're going to be a team worth being there. But just as a whole, why do you have them over a team like the Bucks? Why do you have them over a team, or you know, why do you have them over a team like uh, like Tampa Bay? Their defense is just playing better, and their defense I think is played uh, to a level like they're playing good teams. Also, they played the night, they played the Rams uh, in week uh, last week. On Monday night, they played at Denver, and I know Denver's offense has been kind of shit, but they stifled them. Now, granted, Tampa's offense, too, obviously has played really, or defense has played really good teams, well, like Green Bay, Kansas City, etc. But (laughs) even Atlanta's offense was making some stuff happen. But we just look at it for San Francisco. They haven't really had anything close to what Tampa had against Kansas City, and their defense has just been generationally historically good. All levels, they got guys playing out of their minds. And offensively, they got guys that make big plays. I really like what this Niner teams bring, Niners team's team brings for uh, for long-term for this season. Number three, the Philadelphia Eagles. The lone undefeated team left, obviously. They are still undefeated. They are 5-0. and Some concerns. Um, why is it that this team can't really figure it out in the second half? They start well, and then they kind of plateau. They do enough to hold the lead, but I'm wondering if that's when that's going to be something that comes to rear its ugly head. You know, what? when is their inability to finish a game strong going to cost them? I'm interested to see when that happens, but 5-0, and man. 5-0 and is 5-0, and but a little bit of a sour taste because it felt like Kyler was on his way to winning that game before he goofed at the end with the slide and then the killing the clock. Um, but the Eagles, 
you got to give them credit. Again, we talk about this. They have the best O-line, D-line combination in the league. They have great skill guys. They're running the ball great. Jalen Hurts continues to play well. This wasn't the best game for him on Sunday. Probably, if we're being honest, Sunday might be his, might have been his worst of the five. But um, this team just continues to roll, and it'll be interesting to see them against that defense for Dallas on Sunday night. And then number two and number one, they're there until proven otherwise. Number two is the Buffalo Bills. Absolute thrashing of the of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and again, they have they are the Mike Tyson of the NFL. They absolutely have the best knockout punch of anybody in the league. It is frightening what they do when they just overwhelm you with talent. Now, the questions are: Can they hang in a game? Can they hang around? Can they win team games against teams that have fight? And can bring it. We saw them start, they, them not be able to handle Miami. We saw them, though, in the opposite, great job to come back and rally in a bad situation against the Ravens. So I thought that was a positive for them. They did what they should have done against Pittsburgh, absolutely ragdolled them, and now they get their test of the year, and it's going to be so good against the number one team in the league, the Kansas City Chiefs. Again, as I said, the Chiefs are inevitable. The Chiefs are going to be dogs. On Mon on uh, Sunday, it looks like I will tell you right now that game is going to be in our sinister six. I will not tell you who we're picking until then. But the Chiefs, I think, right now are the number one team. But I think this is even. Like the Bills and the Chiefs, I think are absolutely dead even right now. Um, with when you compare and contrast them through the year. And I hope, here's what I hope, and I, and it's what I feel is going to happen. Both of these teams are going to be trying to prove a point. This whole season for the Chiefs is like, all right, you thought, you, you know, all of you guys were doubting us, so here we are to ruin your lives. And hopefully for the Bills, it's like, all right, you guys say we can't compete with teams like the Chiefs. You guys say we can't win an arrowhead, blah, 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 and they go out there and beat them. Like, that's what I'm hoping. I just see two absolute fucking titans trying to rip each other's brains out. And if we get that, I'm so happy and I'm all here for it. Uh, But yeah, that's my Elite Eight. NFL. Chiefs 1, Bills 2, Eagles 3, Niners 4. Bucks five, Cowboys six, Giants seven, Ravens eight. Probably would have went Dolphins nine, Vikings ten, Bengals eleven, Packers twelve. Packers really, I'm. I wanted to be in on you, Green Bay, but we are further and further out than we have ever been before, because you have proven everyone right. And now I can't trust you anymore. Um, there is a gap from the Chiefs and the Bills to the rest of the league. There is. The world wants you to believe it's just the Bills. And I love the Bills, but the Chiefs too. Both these teams are so good. I think the Bills or the Chiefs would be at least six-point point favorites 
on a neutral field against the rest of the league. And if you're looking at the Eagles, if you think they're the third best team in the league, which I do right now, that's the gap at least when we're talking about one of these teams compared to the rest. I think it's Chiefs-Bills, and they're pretty much neck and neck. Gap, Eagles, Niners, Bucks, Gap, and then you have kind of from 6 to 12 kind of gapped up. But <coughs> that's where I feel like we're at right now. Um, again, Chiefs, Bills, Eagles, Niners, Bucks, Cowboys, Giants, Ravens, the Elite Eight through Week 5. That is the gospel. We are here. Elite Eight, baby. Make sure you tune into For Frequency Sake on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch each Sunday during the football season from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. The boys from For Fantasy Sake will be bringing the fire fantasy football takes, updating you on the week's rankings and injuries, and getting you ready for your fantasy football matchups each and every week. The show is interactive, so be sure to send your questions. You can find them at For Frequency Sake on Facebook, at FFSQC on Twitter, or you can send them an email at ForFantasySakeQC at gmail.com. I got no fancy catchphrases today. I'm a little, I'm exhausted and tired, and I'm going to go watch YouTube videos and scroll Twitter until I fall asleep. It's 1236. I'm going to edit this and send it out. Thank you all for listening. This has been the Educated Ignorance Podcast. If you ain't got the game, you best cat pass the sticks. Check out this week, NBA over-under podcast, pre, uh, win totals, all the good stuff, season preview with Danny, Mac Fulton, Sinister 6. Plus, we'll have a Thursday night recap. I might actually call the team that plays in Illinois by their real name on Thursday. I will do. They might earn that privilege back. <clears throat> uh, that'll be fun. As again, as always, thank you, though, for listening. This has been the Educating Ignorance Podcast. If you ain't got the game, you best pass the six. We'll see you, I guess, tomorrow. More than like, yeah, we're gonna. We'll see you tomorrow here on Educating Ignorance Pod. We're out. Love you all. Peace.